who wants to make five bucks. How? I need someone to take the fall. Oh, my God. What did you do? I can't tell you. Yes or no, no questions asked. Oh, my God! Make it ten. Done. Oh, my God! You're a good son. I got him, honey! I got him, don't worry! The Killing of a Sacred Deer is a psychological thriller film released in 2017 and directed by Yorgos Lantimos. The Killing of a Sacred Deer tells the story of Stephen, a surgeon whose past mistake puts him and his family in grave danger. The movie is available on Prime Video. Please consider watching this film before joining us for the discussion portion of the show. Spoiler alerts are ahead. Stephen is a surgeon who meets up with Martin, a boy whose father died years earlier. They dine together as Steve invites Martin to come over to his home to meet his family which includes his wife Anna and children, Kim and Bob. Martin begins contacting Stephen frequently, even showing up to his work, much to his dismay, as his attention for him becomes more and more desperate. Stephen begins to feel troubled as he sees Kim becoming very close to Martin. One morning, Bob is taken to the hospital as he wakes up without feeling in his legs. The tests come back normal. He is sent home but immediately returns as he collapses. Martin visits Bob in the hospital but is there to speak with Stephen. He tells Stephen that in order to balance things out, Stephen must kill one of his family members or else they will all die, thus revealing that Martin's father died under Stephen's care. The first symptom nearing death is paralysis, followed by refusal to eat, and lastly, bleeding from the eyes. Kim is next to fall victim to paralysis. Shortly thereafter, Kim and Bob refuse to eat. Stephen admits to Anna that he had been drinking prior to operating on Martin's father, which explained Martin's desire for justice. Convinced that Martin has the power for the children's illness, she scolds Stephen for putting his family in this situation. Stephen kidnaps Martin, ties him up, and beats him, but Martin is unfazed. Each family member begins to persuade Stephen to favor them so he can decide who gets to live. Kim fails to influence Martin in order to heal her so they can run away together, despite confessing her love to him. Feeling hopeless, Anna decides to free Martin. When Bob begins to bleed from his eyes, Stephen places each family member in a circle. He spins around and shoots a rifle, eventually shooting Bob after the third attempt. The film ends with the remaining family members eating at a diner and leaving upon seeing Martin enter. You know, A24 is one of the most consistent fucking companies in bringing out movies. We got to raise our glasses to them because the, the quality of this content is fantastic. What do you say, brother? Yeah, I enjoyed it. Midsommar, Hereditary, Spring Breakers, if anybody's seen that one. Ah, that sounds familiar. Enemy by the great Danny Villeneuve. All out on A24, including this amazing movie, The Killing of a Sacred Deer. Do you have any impressions of this, brother, before we go forward? Um... It took me a while to watch this movie. I started watching it maybe two months ago in preparation, um, and I didn't finish it. And then I came back to it a couple of days ago and watched it again, and I did enjoy it. So cool, yes. cool, cool. Same as 
says Zai. That's why we're reviewing this, right? Yeah. <laughs> One thing I got to go to, though, is Alicia Silverstone's in this, brother. She's not in it for a long time. But we're at the time in our lives where now Alicia Silverstone, where I first saw her in Clueless, where she's very young. Mm-hmm. Now she's playing a mother to oh. someone, in this case, Barry Keoghan, yeah. who is around our age. Okay. So I felt a little old. Yeah. Well, how old is she? Do you know off the top of your head? I don't. Oh. Well, she looks great for her age. Yeah, though. she still looks great. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dude, you know who looks amazing for her age? Who? The Cher. <laughs> Bro. <laughs> 70 uh, years old looking like that uh, do you believe in love after life dude or whatever the fuck that <laughs> it's called <laughs> oh my god but let's get right into it but let's not waste any time this is a special episode so welcome everybody to episode number 23 23 brother yeah it's uh, been a long journey yeah episode number 23 of beer in a movie with the we side boys where your host fantastic as always i'm ticky the dominator and i'm danny and we have a special special guest today our very first guest this is history in the making this automatically puts him in the we side boys hall of fame our honorary member of the we side boys our good brother ned nava what's up brother what's up everyone thank you for having me yeah, yeah. <laughs> we had to have the good brother here he had yeah. to be the first one yeah we've made uh plenty of references yeah uh, we've given him probably i don't know seven thousand forty-eight shout outs to him uh-huh approximately yeah, and uh, his nickname is Ned, which is uh, Tiki's favorite nickname. I know, I know, Edgar I've, doesn't particularly love that nickname, but I've never called him Edgar. <laughs> Hi, brother. It's always uh, Ned. Do you, do you want me to tell the story of his nickname, or do you want to say it? Um, you can say it, but uh, it's funny that the history behind it uh, was wrong for Manny's part. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, thought it was Ned from Ned Ned Art Stark. I just, yeah. Well, the first time I met Edgar was when I started uh, working and uh, he was assigned as my trainer and my boss said, oh, you're going to be with Ned. And uh, I I don't remember how, but I knew his name was Edgar. So I'm like, how the fuck do you get <laughs> Ned from Edgar? But uh, yeah, so I guess the story behind that too is uh, Neddy Pot, right? Yeah. Like, if any of you out there know what a neti pot is, um, I guess, uh, was it Jerome, the one that gave it to you? He, he would call him, <laughs> instead of calling him Edgar, he'd call him Ned and then neti pot. Or was it like, was it neti pot first and then Ned? Or was it Ned and then neti pot? No, I'm pretty sure Ned came first. And I was like, <laughs> kind of confused where that nickname came from. Yeah. I was like, how does that make sense? And they're like, do you know what a neti pot is? Yeah. And from there, I was like, uh, no. And they explained <laughs> to me exactly what but it even was. then it's like what does a neti pot have to do with edgar right <laughs> <laughs> i don't know so i guess uh we'll just leave that one to the the wonders of the universe hey dude and then ned from game of thrones because he's like <laughs> yeah that's like Sarkin. top one and like i always thought ned bell like the best fucking palettes mm-hmm. that's why <laughs> like i thought that's a couple because ned was a fucking man yeah yeah that's true definitely true but yeah, Fuck yeah. Was, uh... so welcome brother Thank you for joining us, man. This is fucking great. Could not wait for this, man. Uh-huh. And Ned has seen The Killing of a Sacred Deer. That's what made it easy to make this movie a review. So, welcome, brother. Thank you, man. And uh, so, let's get this uh, episode going and discuss The Killing of a Sacred Deer. But before we do, y'all should know by now. 
discussion in the movie does not start without opening up some beers. So, brother, let him know what we got tonight. I've been feeding for a fucking beer. Yes, it's true. We are reviewing The Killing of a Sacred Deer. But first, we must partake in the drinking of a sacred beer. <laughs> so we have a great one for you guys tonight. We have Vintage Fremont Brewing. Barrel Age Unicorn Tears. I won't Shit. get in. I won't get into the story about how this was acquired. We can't. Let's just, yes, let's just say that uh, the forces that be have granted us the possession of this beer, and we are opening it, barrel aged, vintage, stored for five years in the best of conditions. Shit. <laughs> What's the ABV on this, brother? Uh, let me, well, first of all, it says an Imperial Oatmeal Milk Stout with cherries aged in bourbon barrels. 2017 limited release. It is 12.9%. Jesus. So it's got uh, some kick. Yes. All right. Let's take a sip. One for the good man. Cheers, brothers. One guess is one for you, Danny. Cheers. Cheers. Let's get a swig for the good men. Oh, fuck. Oh, man. That's real smooth. Nice. Mm, this is a 12%. Been... This is lethal, bro. Yeah. I cannot taste the alcohol in this. It must be that uh, perfectly stored aging that occurred. Yeah. But, no, it's, it's actually really fucking good, I'm man. I'm this, man. I taste the cherries. What do you think, Ed? Fucking fantastic. It's way smoother than I thought it was going to be, which is a relief. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he didn't have high helps for this one. Uh, Yeah. Anything over 10 that I've tried before was just terrible. Yeah, it usually tastes like gasoline. Yeah. Maybe uh maybe some of the alcohol uh dissipated or I don't know. I don't know the science behind it, but All right. So we're gonna get to the ranking of this in a little bit, but it's time for everybody's favorite segment. Story time we take it. Let's <laughs> do this shit, guys. Cheers. All right, cheers. One more swig for the good man before we start this story. Mm-hmm. All right. So did mention Alicia Silverstone, how she was in this movie and I felt a little old. Yeah. So I got a story. Since Ned is our shout out of the week. There's a story where I felt fucking a little old and Ned was right there with me for this. I remember last year, brother. Yeah. Right. For your birthday. We went to go see corn and uh, system of a down. Nice. Great show. It was amazing. And corn uh, is playing on stage. I hadn't, I, it's the first time I've ever seen corn. So the singer goes, we're going to play an old one. So I'm thinking, okay, they're going to play shoots and ladders or blind, you know, one of their really, really old ones. But he says, no, we're going to play. And then he says, fuck that shit. So that's their cue to go into that song, Y'all Want a Single. I love that song. And then I was like, wait a minute. That song's not old. That song was out when I was in high school. And then I was like, oh, <laughs> shit. Yeah. That was 20 years ago. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, I think I hit that with uh, Gwen Stefani's Bananas. Oh. That was 2004, dude. And that's eh, it's an oldies now. Don't Speak was playing on my playlist <laughs> when I got here on my way over here. Nice, dude. It's yeah. a good one. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, so I feel a little old on that one. And uh, one more good story about the good brother right here is uh, since we got to put a, a movie twist on this, right? Is that I remember we're kicking at Ned's pad. And, you know, you know, Danny and I can ramble off about movies forever. Uh-huh. And we were we were describing Ned this one scene in the movie They Live. Where good old Keith David and Roddy Roddy Piper are having this like epic like eight minute fight scene. Yeah, right? yeah, yep. And the whole 
for those of you who have not seen they live there's these glasses in this movie that lets them see who like these aliens are right brother yeah yep right and so keith david doesn't want to put on the glasses or is it piper dude no it's keith david roddy piper's the one's like put them on man yeah and he's like no fuck that yeah he doesn't want to Uh so then they get into this like epic fight dude it's like so long it's like peter griffin and the chicken it just goes yeah, on and exactly. on and exactly yep perfect so the net is like wait hold up so they have this whole fight scene just because he doesn't want to put on glasses and we're like yeah and he's like did he say please <laughs> <laughs> it's like dude it's, it's keith david and Roddy piper they're not gonna say please yeah they, they definitely didn't say please yeah we're we were cracking the fuck up man mm-hmm. but, uh, good stories about the good brother cheers to you my brother cheers much Thanks, love sir. to you Let's do this. Another swig for the good men. Mm. Mm-hmm. Really liking this beer. So do I. Uh, who, who'd like to go first to rank? And uh, for those of you that are new to this podcast, we rank the beer from one through five stars. Let's let so. Ned go first. Yeah, Ned brought the He's brew, our guest, so yeah. Go for it, brother. It's up to five stars, right? Yeah. Yep. You can do points, too. Um, I guess for this beer, since it surprised me that it's not actual gasoline, I'm gonna go <laughs> with a 3.5. Nice. Okay. All right. And you, uh, you're not much of a beer person, are you, brother? Uh, not too much. Unless it's a sour, I can definitely put down a few sours, but yeah. anything else, not much. Yeah. So that's pretty respectable then. Mm-hmm. You want to go next, brother? Yeah, I'll go next. So this beer is actually really good. It's really smooth. It's a shame that we won't ever be able to drink it again. <laughs> I get the cherries on it. It's got that sweet. It's almost like a sweet candy chocolatey flavor that I get. Yeah. Kind of like one of those uh, those fancy chocolates you'd get. This is real good, man. I'm going to give this a four. Nice. Yeah, I'm not a big barrel age fan either. But this one, it's I don't know if it's the aging of it uh, or what. But it's a lot of the strong bite has been taken off of it. So it's just real smooth. Very nice, brother. Mm-hmm. To kind of echo what you just said, man, I'm going to agree with you and give this a four as well. This is very good, mm-hmm. very smooth, um, very much into the dark ale. And the the bourbon stuff, I don't really give a fuck about. Yeah, yeah. But it's this is very good, and I, I want to chug this motherfucker, dude. <laughs> but we can't because it's 12, and I'll, I'm afraid I'm going to stumble my lines and stuff like that. As if I have lines. <laughs> like Marcus from Three Ninjas. Dude. Uh. You know, then, then yeah, I'd be doing. So, uh, four out of five stars. This is really fucking good. Mm-hmm. And for it being the first and only time we're gonna have this, yeah, I'm really digging this. So, yeah. four stars for me. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Another quick for the good Cheers. man. All right, brothers, let's get into this movie. Yes, the killing of a sacred deer. Big fan of the director Yorgos Lanthimos. He's a Greek. Greekman. I'm a big fan of his work. I'll get into all the other stuff that he he's uh, done much later in the later work. But the the I'll give you my intro to this movie is that there's a certain movie that he did that I watched and I said, fuck, I need to see more. And so the I don't think it's the next movie, but one of the movies he did after the movie I'm just talking about was this one. And so I said, okay, I got to check this out. Bought it on Blu-ray, fucking loved it. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, and and again, it's an A24 movie. And these these guys don't fuck around, dude. The, 
the quality that these guys come out as far as movies goes are top notch, in my opinion, especially like recently. Does uh, Ned, you got a uh, introduction to this, or you just stumbled upon it, or what's up? Yeah, I think the way I found it was just literally um, looking around for movie recommendations online, and I think I was with my girlfriend, and we came across the little trailer for this one, and it turned out to attention. be like one of the best ones. Yeah, yeah, I know. I was interested to figure out how the fuck you found this movie because uh, <laughs> Manny's the one that told me that oh Edgar loves this movie and that's how I heard of it and I was like how His the fuck did he hear about this movie because like I don't I mean I don't know what kind of movies you watch but this isn't one that I would have expected you to like but yeah, me neither <laughs> that's why I I brought it up yeah I know for us to like review mm-hmm. because yeah. I, I was a fan of it mm-hmm. and I was very surprised and you didn't watch it that's crazy yeah, no, I watched it eventually. Yeah. Like all good things in life, right? Yeah, so let's <laughs> let's get to the plot in this movie, man. Yeah. All right, so the plot in this movie is that it's a surgeon played by Colin Farrell. Uh-huh. Uh, wait, before I get into that, though, uh, I I looked up a like quick synopsis on this, and it says that the surgeon's from Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. But to me, Colin Farrell still speaks like an Irishman in this. Did anybody get it, that fucking same like vibe from his... From his accent, or am I tripping? Yeah, I think I heard it too. And at some point, I feel like the what was the kid's name? Bob. No, the actual. Oh, uh, uh, Barton. Yeah, I feel like Martin like tried to mimic a little bit of his accent too at some point, which was kind of like interesting. Well, they're they're both Irishmen. Oh, oh okay. yeah. I didn't know that. So maybe well, that like sense. the accent a little slipped up a little. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, you're definitely right. He still has his accent, though. He was trying. Unless there's a community of Irishmen in Cincinnati, <laughs> you know? I don't know about that, but yeah, uh, yeah, well. yeah. Well, that's just that's one thing I had to bring up before we get into the plot. But yeah, Stephen is a surgeon, and there's a, a mistake in his past that puts his family in grave danger. So based on the synopsis, it's like okay, I I want to know what happens, uh-huh. and then how it slowly unfolds. Because I I would say this movie. Especially in the beginning, it's a bit of a slow burn, how everything yeah. develops. Yeah, it definitely is. Yeah. All right. So let's get into the characters right here. We already mentioned Stephen, played by Colin Farrell. His wife, Anna, played by Nicole Kidman. All right. Then we have Martin, played by Car- Barry Keoghan. Which, by the way, man, uh, did anybody check out the Batman? No, I still haven't seen it. Because he was uh, the Joker at the very, very end. I tried watching the Batman like three times and I kept falling asleep all three times. <laughs> but I remember like uh, like waking up from the nap and I saw the very end where where he's portraying the Joker. I said, oh, shit. And I was like, I was pretty stoked about that. So if they do a movie with him as a Joker, um, I'm going to check it out for sure. I'm a, I'm a pretty big fan of Barry Keoghan, at least from this movie. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. We're going to get into the... Excuse me. There's that <laughs> there it is, dude, every time, man. There it is, brother. Yeah, cheers. Sweet yeah. to the good men. Cheers. Mm-hmm. Then we're gonna get into the kids, Kim and Bob. Don't know the the names because I'd never seen them in anything afterwards. Mm-hmm. And then we're gonna get to Alicia Silverstone's character, who plays Martin's mother. She's not in it very long, but she does come into play here and there. Yeah. And the last one I want to bring up is Larry who is a co-worker and friend of Steven. All right, so these are all 
the fucking characters in this movie. Basically, yeah, that's I don't remember any other characters that were like important in this. But yeah. yeah. So let's start out with the plot, brother. All right. Anything yeah. to say before we get into the plot? We dive into it? No, I think I'm pretty good, man. Um, let's just get right into it. Sounds good, bro. Let's get right into it. Very first thing you see in this movie is fucking open heart surgery. Yeah. I gotta say, man, it looks really real. Very, like, uh, even the stitching around this heart that's beating. This is just an introduction that Steven is a surgeon. Mm-hmm. All right? I also like the music in this. Uh, the the orchestra in it. <laughs> nice little touch there. Can I jump in? I will Absolutely, say, I watched yeah. this with subtitles on, and it cracked me up because every time the music played, it either said eerie music playing or <laughs> creepy music playing. Uh-huh. It was like never like good music playing. It was just all like eerie, <laughs> creepy, or ominous. So, yeah. Okay. Well, more about that later on because I have that in my notes. But... <laughs> okay. All right. Ooh. So then we got off with uh, Stephen and Martin at a diner, and the uh they when they do meet up at this they do meet up at this diner like pretty often we'll get into that a little later and off the bat they're having like these awkward very like robotic monotonic conversations did anybody else get that vibe with that oh yes definitely yeah. colin farrell especially he's always like it almost seems like he's just belting out his lines in like mm-hmm. a lifeless and robotic way what mm-hmm. do you what do you think edgar yeah i feel like both his of them are just like <laughs> Well, yeah, the way they deliver uh, their lines, both of them just seem like no emotion, just like straight to the point, which is like adds to the eeriness of this movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a design choice and not an acting choice. So uh, they're directed to to deliver like this. Absolutely. So they're in this diner and then they go over to like this parking lot area where Stephen invites Martin over uh, to meet the family over for dinner. Uh Uh-huh. So this is uh, like the introduction to uh, Anna, played by Nicole Kidman, and the kids, Bob and Kim. And they have this like real somewhat like awkward uh, like conversation where where uh, Steven is like telling Bob, he's like, uh, I need you to cut your hair and stuff like that. Uh-huh. You know, which I, I thought it was a little weird because. You see Steven as a surgeon, you'd think that a surgeon would be a little healthier, you know, but he's smoking a lot in these prior scenes. Mm-hmm. And also he's telling Bob to cut his hair, but he has a really scruffy beard. Yeah. You know, so this is just too. And then the whole haircut part comes later into the movie. So there's there's a reason he says to get a haircut and stuff like that. And I used to have very long hair, and I'm looking at this, and I'm like, he's fine. Let the let the little dude do what he wants, man. Yeah, I guess. That's what I'm saying. But like, did not uh, like you don't see Colin Farrell's like appearance. You don't you don't think like his beard is a little scruffy? So it's like, shouldn't you shave maybe? Like shape up that, that beard a little? <laughs> like, who are you to say for this little kid to get a haircut? Yeah, I don't know. His beard is definitely scruffy, and it did strike me as being kind of strange. But it's very well manicured like it's very well taken care of it's not it's not out of sorts um he's overall well put together yeah but the whole family dynamic is very like cold and strict yes. they're almost like they're almost like robots acting like a family yeah, that, dude. that's what i got from very it. very much so especially like we mentioned the whole robotic monotone part uh-huh his beard, though, very, it's like black and white. It reminded me mm. of a skunk, dude. Salt and pepper, dude. Hey, 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 I got the skunk beard going too, man. Don't, ah, come on. Don't hate. Come on. <laughs> I ain't hating, dog. 
We get into a bedroom scene. I thought this was a little... I, I did not understand this, like, the bedroom scenes that they do with this. Do you know what I'm talking about? I exactly be know what you're because, talking about, yes. Okay, because Nicole Kidman just, like, lays out, and Stephen... I said Nicole Kidman, I meant to say Anna. Mm-hmm. She just lays out on the bed, and then, like, she, Stephen just goes up to her, caresses her, all that good shit, fucking... <laughs> whatever. What was the point of that? I honestly did not... Because they do it a few times, but I don't know... Even rewatching this a few times, I don't know what that meant. I, it's like, is this pointless? What the fuck is pointless? I what don't do you, understand. What do you think, Ned? What are your thoughts on this scene? At first, I was kind of confused by those scenes too, but just thinking back on it, I just feel like this is a a point to make that he's not a very good person because the way that she acts when she's like basically being intimate with her husband is by acting like she's under anesthesia. Yeah. And he's like basically having his way with her, which is kind of troublesome. Yeah, that's that's a great point to make because that's exactly what I got from it too. Like, this is definitely not lovemaking from two healthy adjusted adults. This is a very weird staged like act, right? She's just laying there un- like almost unconscious, you know? And it's yeah. like, what the hell is this? Yeah, very emotionless. Yeah. Just, okay. You guys knocked some sense into me because I didn't know what the fuck like they were trying to portray here. They're trying to portray that there's some weird shit going on. Gotcha. It does come into play later. Yeah. But even then I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) But again, next scene. All right. We go into where Martin, he shows up at the hospital and it's like, oh shit. Like, so I'm kind of thinking like, like Martin and Steven have a pretty close relationship. And then it's like, why would he be showing up at his, yeah at, at work? Uh-huh. You know, it's, it's like work could be like a personal space. Like, Hey, like let me handle my stuff at work. I don't, I'm not going to bring my personal life into work. I'm not going to bring my work into my personal life kind of yeah. thing. You know, when I first saw this movie, when I first saw Martin, I kind of thought that he was like a son from another mother. Like, mm-hmm. he got divorced, and this was him just interacting with his other kid. But, yeah, it was it's just very weird. It, it is, man. And then even, like, like when he shows up and stuff, it's like Stephen tells him, he's like, hey, you can't just come in. You need to tell me uh-huh. when, in advance. Yeah. So it's like a little, it's kind of like a red flag for him. Yeah. It's like, you can't just come in here. Like, please give me a heads up for this. Mm-hmm. So this is like the the little hint that, this is when like he starts getting a little more desperate for his attention and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, and then it goes into this like luncheon scene where like all these doctors are at together. Oh yeah, yeah, dude. And I had this. I was just like, "What the fuck is this?" Because like he, this is the introduction to Larry, which is his friend, who's like his. Oh, it's not the introduction, but it's like the first time like like outside of work they're there. Yeah, okay. You know, it's like the friend colleague or whatever you'd like to yeah, call him. Yep. Right. And it's weird because like they're talking, they're friends, obviously they've already established that. And then he like, he has this awkward conversation. He says, well, my daughter just started menstruating. It's like, who the fuck is going to say that? Like, dude, if I had a daughter, you think I would tell you guys this? Fuck no. Yeah. It's so uh, maybe it's because they're doctors. Maybe that's like, just like something that you would mention matter of factly, but, uh, I don't know. What Private do you think, info, Ned? man. I would never fucking say that. What do you I think? Don't know. That honestly confused me. And that was so <laughs> out yeah. of the field. <laughs> I think it's kind of just there to show that they're kind of out of touch with reality, I guess. You know, they don't really have 
uh, any boundaries that normal people would have. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, they also bring it to a point here that we're – Steven, he gets offered a drink and he says, no, I'm three years sober. Very mm -hmm. important detail right there. Yeah. Right. So this luncheon happens. Very next scene is like Steven and Martin, they go out for a walk and then uh, they're just talking about like how things are kind of shooting the shit a little bit, shooting the breeze. Uh huh. Martin goes in and says that he doesn't really have friends. His only friend really is his mom. Yeah. Especially after his dad died is, is uh, what he says, man. Uh-huh. So in this little walk when they're like shooting the breeze and shit, he says, like I mentioned, doesn't really have friends besides his mom. He invites Steven over to have dinner. But the thing is, like, he only tells him to come over. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. It, and again, man, like I will say that, like, the scenes where they're just walking and stuff like that, it's like one continuous shot. It's beautifully shot. I'm looking at this from a cinematography output, and it's like, this is fucking beautiful, man. Okay. Love this. This is so good, man. This is like shit that I would I would learn about in like filmography, like 101, about nose room, about like uh, even like backed out shots and everything, especially since they're moving and everything. Yeah. Mm, yeah, I will say. Fucking top notch shit right there. I will say I'm a layman when it comes to all that, but uh, <laughs> this movie seems very well shot. Um, everything is, is very particular. So I did enjoy that. Yes. And this transitions over to when they actually meet, when Martin uh, goes over and meets the kids. And like he brings gifts for them and everything. Very nice, very cordial and everything. Yep. And then it, like, it goes to a scene where like Martin is with the kids. And again, with these like robotic, monotonic, awkward conversations where they say like, like uh, oh, can I see your armpit hair? Or shit like that. Do you guys remember that part? <laughs> yeah. It was just really weird. And then, and then like he starts smoking and everything. And then Kim even tells him, like, oh, hey, I, I had my period. Yeah, it's I know. like, dude, like, hey, man, okay, I'm just put it, I'm going to put it in a perspective as, as, a, as a man, all right? All right. Um, when I first grew pubes, I didn't fucking tell anyone, dude. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, like, that, yeah. so, like, I don't know. Like, I, again, I know they're trying to make these conversations awkward as fuck. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think that's the whole point of this. I think so too. And they're doing a fucking great job because I'm looking, I'm, I'm watching this, and I'm like, "What the fuck, dude? This is off to like a really awkward like start." Yeah, and it's just so matter of factly the way they say it, right? Because they, whoever they're talking to, like, "Oh, I had my first period," and they just like they roll with it. Where mm -hmm. I feel like normally people, if they talked about this shit, you would kind of get some kind of like revulsion, you know, or yeah. disgust. But yeah, I don't know. I, I would say, like, what the fuck you say to me? You know? Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> like, excuse me? Baking yeah. powder, you know? But they're like, like oh, well, it's just like you talked about last Sunday. Like, it's, it's nothing, right? <laughs> just another Tuesday, man. <laughs> yeah. Shit. Yes. <clears throat> so it transitions over to a part where Anna asked um, Stephen how how Martin's dad died, and he straight up lies to her. Yeah. Fucking says he died in a car crash. Mm -hmm. It's a very important detail right there. And then what, what's crazy, too, is that... Uh, like they were right there together. They met the family and everything. Martin did. Mm -hmm. And then when he goes home, he ends up calling Steven late at night. It's like really late at night. And he tells him, You're gonna come over to my place. My mom made meatloaf, all this shit. Like and then <laughs> Yeah, that I mean, off the bat, dude, I'm just like, okay, this is starting to get really eerie because you like you just were with the family, you met everything, and then you called him really late at night as they're about to go to bed. Couldn't you have just told him there? It's a purpose, man. This guy is like getting desperate for this guy's attention. 
and then you want to plant that seed in your mind that this kid there, there there's something uh, there's something there he has an agenda yeah i don't at this point in the movie i still was kind of like i didn't really understand the relationship so you know i was kind of confused because he he seems pretty demanding like he calls him and says oh you should come have dinner uh and he's like all right i'd like that we'll do that sometime well tomorrow and at 7 30 and you have to show up so i was just like what the fuck like it's, it's just, almost like he didn't give him an option he says yeah like, is he like, didn't. you're going to come over here yeah. yeah i don't know uh ned what do you think what do you think about their relationship up until this point his name's like, edgar <laughs> <laughs> the the whole time that they were interacting um i thought like that martin feels like something is owed to him every time that he's like acting or talking with him it's like he feels like a connection with uh what's the dad's name steven with mm. steven and steven is like trying to be nice uh trying to accommodate his needs but martin just wants more from him and it's always like evolving like right after they have that uh dinner at their place he wants him at his place mm. Mm. you know that's a great point to bring up i never even considered that and it's true now looking back that martin felt like something was owed to him that's a really important to pick up the other important detail is that when he goes over it's only him yeah it's not he never says i want the family to come over mm. whereas steven says i want you to come over and meet my family yeah yeah so like you don't see you don't see kim you don't see bob you don't see anna there it's just him and the whole converse, uh the whole time when Steven goes over, it's very awkward as mm. as it always is. Yeah. You know, because Alicia Silverstone's there. This is her introduction. She's not there in very long. And then it's like uh excuse me. Martin says, Oh, it's getting late. I'm they're watching a movie. I'm gonna I'm gonna go to bed. Uh-huh. Like if I'm Steven, I'm like, Okay, you know what? It's getting late too. I'm getting out of here. But <laughs> well he, he stays- tried to. He tried to remember in the when yeah. they're eating dinner, he's like, I need to get home soon. He's like, No, I want you to stay and watch this movie. Yeah. Uh, it's my father's favorite movie, which yeah. uh, is another hint there. It's but... an awkward conversation because, like, they're on the couch together, and then uh-huh. she starts saying, like, your hands are very, <laughs> you know. Like, very clean, right? Yeah. Very beautiful. Yeah. And, then, uh, dude, like, I, 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 there's a certain word I'm looking for. It's on the tip of my tongue. But, like, Alicia Silverstone's, like, character is, like, it's, like, it's obviously she wants to, like like, be with them and stuff like that. But we don't know too much about her late husband. Mm-hmm. We still don't know that yet. It's still like in the back of her minds. It's yeah. like, you know. So I, I, because I was a little taken aback because after watching the whole movie, I thought she was gonna be in it a long time. Yeah, me too. And she's not. Yeah, she's only in for one scene. That one scene. Yeah. It almost feels out of place that she's not there in another scene later or mm-hmm. a couple other scenes. But yeah. So, dude, you know the scene when I don't mean to cut into the plot like way ahead, uh-huh. but the part where he has to go, uh, shit happens and then mm-hmm. Steven has to go back to the house. Yeah. She could have came out and that's said what... like, what's going on? But, yeah. she, you know, I think that was a little bit of a missed opportunity. Yeah. That's where I thought she was going to show up again, but she didn't. Yeah. Awkward conversation. Just, uh, she starts like, uh, massaging his hand, starts kissing him and he says, fuck this. I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah. Right. Good man. <laughs> a lot of men would have stayed. <laughs> and then it cuts to the next scene where Martin, uh, he, uh, excuse me, uh, Steven goes to his work and Martin's fucking waiting for him in his office, bro. Yeah. And so he already like warned him. Like, it's like, Hey man, you need to tell me ahead of time. 
that you can't just come in here unless you tell me. And he's waiting in his office. But the thing is, like, Martin is, uh, Steven is like, what the fuck, dude? Like, he doesn't really react as crazy as I thought he was going to be. Uh-huh. Yeah, but then um, Martin says, like, yeah, hey, something's wrong with me. I think it's the same thing that my dad had. <laughs> so right there, I'm like, oh, shit, okay. Like, you're going to bring, you're, they're slowly building up to what happened to his dad. Yeah. And stuff like that. So he starts doing this, uh, like, this heart monitor test. He starts mm-hmm. doing, like, cardio. Yep. And everything reminded me of 50 Sand, the In the Club video, where he's just, um, yeah, <laughs> he's, just, he's on the treadmill, just or whatever, just without rapping. Okay. Right. You know? And yeah, dude, I'm just, I'm taken aback because I'm just like, okay, now, now I'm super fucking interested because you're already getting, like, uh, you're, it's kind of desperate for, for his attention. Now you're showing up here again, even though he told you. You can't just come in here. And he does it anyway. And he tells him he's complaining about heart problems, the same one that his dad had. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, so there, there is no car crash um, is what I'm thinking. Yeah. You know, uh-huh. unless he had a car crash while he was driving, but I doubt that. No. You know, yeah. but uh, thoughts on this guys. What do you guys think about the, the, the relationship between them? Uh, yeah, at this point, there's definitely something amiss from the story that Stephen has told the audience and, you know, his family. Um, Martin's dad definitely didn't die instantly. There is obviously something that happened and their relationship is related in some way. But for me at this point, I'm still not quite sure what the fuck is going on. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you think, Ned? His name's Edgar. <laughs> <laughs> well, this whole scene where uh, he's getting checked out by him... Um... Really threw me off. Um, the only thing that I could say is that the whole time that he's trying to get his attention, it's just like, it's like what 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 was the motive for this? You mean of all the tests and stuff? Yeah, because he's he's young and he says it's like runs in the family, but mm-hmm. like he's had no complications besides him saying that he's smoking, right? Yeah, yeah, you're right. I think I think he does this to kind of throw a wrench in Steven's day. Because Steven's been kind of dismissive of him. So he's like, well, let me go fuck this guy's shit up. Let me go say that something's wrong with me. Now he's got to pay attention to me. He has to run all these tests. So maybe that's the reason behind it. But that's just a guess at this point. Yeah, and it's it's even more fucked up when the tests reveal that he's okay. Like, he's perfectly fine. Yeah, and I don't right. think any, like, hospital would just freely run tests on somebody, like, yeah. without checking their insurance, which made uh, even more, like, kind of, like, what's going on. Yeah, I think that's a suspension of disbelief detail because, yeah, if this is real life, yeah, you definitely would not get all those tests unless you yeah. want to pay fucking thirty thousand dollars with he's, insurance. Yeah, but he's got, <laughs> <laughs> but he's got the inside then because he can just fucking waltz in and just fucking kick it. No one ever like, because in the scenes he just he's already waiting for these guys. No one fucking tells him anything. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and to kind of like go more into these awkward conversations that they have, like uh, he tells them that he's like, "Can you show me your hair?" Because Bob told me that you have three times the hair that you have. And then he fucking shows him, dude. It's like, he doesn't have to. He can be like, hey, man. It's like, hey, I already told you not to be here. Now you want to see my armpit hair? What the fuck is wrong with you, dude? You need to get the fuck out. Well, yeah, he does hesitate, right? But then he, like, kind of looks awkward. He's kind of like, well, I don't want to make a scene, so I'll just show him. And it's just like, mm-hmm. what the fuck, man? Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I feel, it- I feel like that's part of also, like, um, Martin telling steven that like you owe me something Mm -hmm. like telling him to show him that 
what like seems like totally unprofessional for a doctor to actually do. Yeah. But he does it. Oh yeah. Which is just like, what's going on? Yeah. Maybe, what do you know about this? That's a good point, right? Because like, I guess like if you came up to somebody that you had a normal relationship with and you asked them to show me your armpit hair, they would be like, fuck off. But <laughs> yeah, Steven, he feels bad for this kid in ways that we don't really know. And so he, he kind of reluctantly agrees to like, all right, well, fuck it. So yeah, that's a, that's a great point to bring up. Yeah. And then in the awkward conversation, he says, I want you to come over for dinner again. And he, again, like, right? Yeah. And he declines. He's, he's like, nah, fuck that. Because like your mom is hitting on me <laughs> and stuff like that. But he tells him like in a very respectful way, huh? Yeah. Yeah. He's like, yeah. I can't tonight. I'm too busy. Maybe some other time. Yeah. And then like, like Martin even tells him like, hey, my mom likes you <laughs> and stuff like that. But then he tells him like, I am very happily taken. I, I have children. I am very happy. It's like the like the most respectful like decline of all time. And he yeah. he doesn't show any interest in the mom, which is mm-hmm. like he doesn't. There's not like any semblance of attraction there from him. Yeah, you know, which is uh, interesting. And then what to make it more of how desperate he is, right? Mm-hmm. It goes to the next scene where uh, Stephen is at Larry's house, right? They're having like a barbecue. Yep. But he has to step outside, or they're already outside. He has to step aside because um, uh, Martin calls him. He says, where are you? He's waiting at the diner. He's like, I've been waiting here for over half an hour. Yeah. Where are mm-hmm. you? I already got you your pie. Because he orders <laughs> a pie earlier in the in the scene in the diner when they, when they first start, right? And it's like, hey, dude, like you got to kick back a little bit, dude. Like, <laughs> like you want, yeah. I get that you want his attention, dude, but you can't, he has a family, he has a life. You can't I- just like, keep fucking telling him you got to meet him somewhere i think he just hangs up on him too right or at least that's what the editing would make us believe yeah he just he like just, hangs up he on just him. refuses to like to really explain more he fucking lies to him he says that he's like working and shit like that oh uh, yeah but he's not he's with larry at a barbecue grilling yeah. fish yep i'm not grilling fish ever at a barbecue brother i'm just saying that what if it's salmon i'm down <laughs> burgers at the pad dude come on so back to the task at hand brother yeah next scene all right to make it even more fucked up that this fucking guy's desperate for attention uh he takes kim home they don't even see when they meet up and shit but he gives her a ride on the motorcycle yeah yep uh, one thing i felt to mention earlier is that uh like kim i believe it's kim or it could be uh martin that he rides a motorcycle and they ask him like, "Do you are you riding with a helmet?" And he says, "Always." But when they do ride, you see them without helmets. Mm, I didn't so he doesn't that. give a fuck. Yeah, yeah. So by this time, like he's uh, Stevens already like very like weary about Martin, how he's so connected with the family and he needs to kick back and shit. Now it's to the point where he's picking up his own daughter and bringing him to the pad, uh-huh. and he tell and he tells her like, "Hey, you need to like like." Kind of like back away from Martin a little bit and shit yeah. like that, mm-hmm. you know. But I, I do think that was very nice detail for them to like to now introduce like the the connection and relationship that eventually becomes between Kim and Martin. And then the next thing, brother, this is where shit starts hitting the fan. This is where Bob wakes up and he can't feel his legs. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. So now, now we're like we're getting into the the fucking the thick part of this fucking plot. Mm-hmm. It's like what the fuck is going on? Why is Bob not being able to feel his legs? And like to kind of like fast forward a little, he ends up going to the hospital. He's okay, checks everything out. They tell him he can go home, but then fucking right away he collapses, bro. Yeah. So clear. And then like the test that they run, they say like, dude, he's perfectly fine. We don't know what the fuck is going on. 
mm-hmm. and shit like that. Yeah. But obviously something's wrong because he collapses again. Yeah. He en- yeah. He ends up staying overnight, and then you go like. So they make it a point where like he stays over fucking night, and then the next morning. Steven is going to see how he's doing and fucking Martin's waiting for him, dude. Yeah. And it's like, damn. Oh, it's like, all right, bro. Like, I get, I get it. You're obsessed with this family, but for what reason? I need to know. Well, up in, I feel like this point, right? Martin already told Steven the deal, right? Not yet, brother. Not yet? Okay. So I'm jumping the gun. It's getting there. Okay. So I jumped the gun. But if I may say something. Yes. Perhaps like, Maybe because we don't know anything about his father yet, besides the fact that he died. Yep. Perhaps he could be looking at Stephen as a new father figure because you know he's he's a good he's uh-huh. a good father. Yeah. You know he's uh, he's got children and everything. Uh-huh. Maybe yep. he wants a father figure now that his dad is gone. Yes. Perhaps you know, and he knows that's not going to fucking happen because of because uh, he, he ends up finding out that like his mom. Like, did that one bullshit, right? With the whole hands and whatnot. So it's like, perhaps it's like, he wants to force him to be like his new dad Ooh. in a way, you know? A little observation there. And then, but like, on cue, brother, like, this is like right when he tells him, because he's there to visit Bob, but he's not really there to visit Bob. He's there to fucking tell Steven, hey, cafeteria in 10 minutes, I got to yeah. talk to you. Yep. And then this is like, uh, to me, dude, I thought this was like a little, maybe a little rushed. I do, I do realize that he says, or I, I said all this as fast as I could. Uh-huh. But this is where, like, he reveals to him is that uh, to even things out, you need to kill one of your family members for killing one of mine. Uh-huh. And then I'm just like, oh shit! But I thought maybe they kind of uh, like missed in a way that they could have maybe slowed it down a little bit so that we can fucking like stew into all this that is going on because. They had me fucking processing this really fast. And I'm just like, what are you talking? Like, why are you talking so fast? What is this paralysis? What is this like not having appetite? What is this bleeding from the eyes? Like, slow the fuck down, dude. Like, what's going on here? You know, yeah. Am I the only one tripping here? What the fuck, dude? Because everything happened so fucking quickly. Uh, the only thing I can say about that is uh, when he tells him the whole symptoms, I think he's trying to rush him into making a decision because Ooh. he tells him that they're pretty much all going to die if he doesn't choose, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. all of them are. Yeah. So do you want to save one, or do you want to, like, wait and find out if what this guy's saying is real? Hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a good, Fuck, good observation, dude. man. Yeah, I just, I took it as, like, uh, Martin was being kind of a dick. He's like, I know I know you have short time, so I'm just going to fucking belt this out real quick. And then he vomits, like, what's going on? And you're kind of just like, what the fuck? But, yeah, that's, uh, I like your interpretation better. Fuck yeah, that was mm-hmm. very good, brother. Yeah. Yeah, and then, like, because of this, he gets escorted out. Yeah. Like, I, I know that this is, like, a serious shit, but, like, yeah. I was kind of laughing when he got escorted out. Yeah, he's like, I hope that was fast enough for you, and then that's the cut scene to him getting escorted out by yeah. security. So, like, he already, Bob already has the paralysis. Mm-hmm. The second si- symptom is that he loses appetite. Yep. So, on cue, Steven goes and he force-feeds him a donut. Mm-hmm. And I was like, damn, dude, if he's not eating donuts, I don't know what the fuck he will eat, dude. <laughs> because, come on, everyone loves donuts, dude. Yeah, yeah, the you mom even I mean? says that they're his favorite. So mm-hmm. she goes and gets him a whole box. He's like, I give it. you permission to eat these donuts. Go ahead. He's, he's like he's, over there trying to stuff it down his face, yeah. dude. Okay, dude, and then here's where I start being like, what the fuck? Because here's another awkward conversation. Is that, so, so by this time, Steven already knows the truth. 
we're still a little oblivious to it because we don't know the extent of this uh-huh. fucking shit. But Steven knows what the fuck he's talking about. Yeah. Right. So then he force feeds him donuts. And then he says, I know you're, he tells Bob, you're putting on an act. So let's go for a walk. Right. So he like drags him out of his wheelchair. <laughs> yeah. He obviously can't do anything. And then mm. he lets him fucking fall on the ground. Yeah. Multiple times. Right. And then he tells this fucking story. Um, you, they play a game. It's like, you got to tell me a secret. Let's tell each other our secret. <laughs> Dude, okay. So you know where I'm going with this, right? Yeah. I was so then gonna... he he tells him, I'll give you I'll tell you one secret. Kind of like you gotta one up me in yeah, a bit. I will jump in and say that I'm impressed that he went for the level ten secret straight away. Totally. I thought it was gonna be like, I'll tell you a secret, you know, when I was a kid, I cried because I was scared of the dark. But no, he just goes straight nuclear option, right? Yeah. And tells him that when his his dad was asleep, he fucking jerked him off. <laughs> yeah, long story short, yeah. Dude, and I'm just like, like, was there not a different way you could have told Bob to stop putting on an act? You're just going to fucking drop this fucking bomb on him? <laughs> Batman couldn't get me this fucking information but out of him, Bob you, seems unfazed, too. He's just like, yeah, I don't have a secret. Dude, this was fucking brutal. Absolutely fucking like out of left field. Yeah, exactly. And then clearly, like Bob is not putting on a knack. He can't fucking move. Wow. Right? So that goes into the next scene. Another thing I felt to mention is that Kim is in a choir class. Right? So next scene, she's in a choir, she's singing, and then collapses, dude. So then you're like, oh shit, like something is really happening now. This is affecting all the members, Uh or at least we think. Yeah. Because I thought it was going to uh, affect all of them one by one. Yeah. It goes from Bob and then paralysis to Kim. Mm-hmm. And then already knowing that Bob doesn't want to eat this donut, he wants to tell Kim, you need to eat something. So he tells her to eat this fruit, but she can't. She throws it up and shit. All right. So it's it's almost in a way like Martin. Martin's like, all right, dude, I already know what the fuck like is going on. I just need them to eat. So that even like force feeding isn't going to help this shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're... But he's like, but he's like starting to become desperate and shit like that. And, and thoughts about this guys. Cause like, fuck dude, this, this shit was just so intense for me, dude. And it's like, okay, cool. Now, now fucking Kim, even though, uh, Kim had already established a relationship with Martin. So at this point it's like, fuck, nobody's safe. Then if Kim is the next one in line for paralysis, uh-huh. Yeah, I think this also shows that Martin is indifferent. He's not going to spare her uh, just because they maybe he has feelings for her. We don't know. We know mm-hmm. she has feelings for him, but yeah, we don't know if it's reciprocated. But still, that doesn't matter. It's just uh, indifference from Martin. The desire for justice, brother. How I mentioned in the plot points. Uh huh. He really wants justice. Yeah, he I guess will that... go at all lengths so that one or all of them get fucked over. Uh huh. You know, fucking. Crazy shit right there. I think Barry Kilgan did a great job because, like Barry, uh, Barry Kilgan's face, his facial expressions, dude, he just he's got this like villain face, dude. Yeah. I can't explain it. Yeah, he's definitely got you a know? weird face. Yeah, punchable uh, face maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if I can bring him uh, another actor, Matt Mickelson has another face that is just fucking made for a villain. Okay, yeah, you know? I can go for that. Yeah, yeah. But back to the task at hand, brother. So pissed off with all this, man. Steven's angry as shit. And then he goes to the house. And this is where I thought Alicia Silverstone's character was going <laughs> to yeah. come back. Yep. She could have came out mm-hmm. and maybe thrown another wrench in this, but nothing. Yeah. I thought it was dude, weird. <laughs> dude, he even says, like, 
uh, come out right now. I'm going to fuck you and your mom. <laughs> I was like, fuck. And like, yeah. dude, I've, I've been in some pretty like heated conversations with somebody. Mm-hmm. I, I could see myself saying some shit like that. Because <laughs> I remember when, when that that dumb fuck hit my car. I said some shit kind of like that. But that's for another topic, for another discussion, for another yeah, day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then nobody comes out. So then he has to go back home and he tells Anna. Yeah. He tells Anna like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm just going to tell you the truth right here. Okay. Uh-huh. Is that he did not die from a stroke. He died basically from like being under my care from being in surgery with me. But you know, he doesn't. And, he doesn't specifically say that. Yeah, it was his he's fault. really vague about it. Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah. Although he somewhat admits it, and then she asks, "Have you been drinking?" Mm-hmm. So go back to that luncheon when uh, earlier he's like, "I haven't had a drink in three years." Yeah. So that fucking hits you. It's like, all right, the reason this motherfucker's been sober is probably because of this, and now you're putting the pieces together in this puzzle. Yeah. That the reason Martin wants revenge is because. Stephen did surgery on his father and he fucked up and he died because of him. And this explains vengeance, dude. Yep. Mm -hmm. All right. Fucking brutal. And I mean, you can go either way, dude, because like the main character here is is Colin Farrell, right? Mm -hmm. You're more into whenever like the main character is in a movie, you want to side with him. But then you're kind of saying like, fuck, this guy killed this kid's dad. (laughs) Why am I rooting for this motherfucker then? Well, at this point, we we don't know for a fact that he actually killed him. I mean, we know that he died under the his The seeds care. are there, though. Yeah, it's definitely there. But yeah, I'll agree with that. Up until this point, Colin Farrell is the protagonist. We want to side with him. But as Ned mentioned earlier on, Edgar, Edgar yeah, that we're kind of dropped hints that Steven's kind of a piece of shit, right? Yeah. So we need to be second guessing his motives and his actual demeanor throughout this whole movie. Because yeah, he's very calm and collected. Very sterile almost, but there's more to this story. Yes. And then it goes into the next scene, brother, where they're back into the hospital. And by this point, Bob and, and Kim are together. They're bedridden together at the hospital. Yeah. Cool little detail because, like, uh, Stephen's a doctor at that hospital. Their way you can justify that both of them would be together in a room. Mm-hmm. Nice little detail. Uh you and I fucking randomly fucking collapse. We're not going to be in the same room in a hospital, right, bro? Yeah. Well, yeah. You never know. Highly unlikely. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yes. And uh, because of this, dude, Kim has her phone with her the whole time. And then Martin fucking calls her and says, hey, I'm outside. But he he got her escorted, so he's not allowed to go inside. Uh-huh. So then he tells her, like, hey, I'm outside. So then she, with paralysis and everything, fucking gets up and walks over to see where the fuck he's at. Mm-hmm. So because of this, Anna's like seeing this shit and she's like, okay, like, fuck, I'm convinced now that Martin has some fucking power over my children's illness mm-hmm. and takes the fucking phone away from her. Well, after she tells her to fuck off, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, uh, dude, I, I feel bad about this, but I, f- I know this is like a serious as shit, but like, since Bob is right next to her, and he's seeing the whole time that she can like walk and shit. He decides to try and he fucking <laughs> flops, bro. Yeah. I feel bad for laughing because I know this is as serious as, as it has to be. Mm-hmm. 
they in this movie, dude, they never bring it into any intention. This should be funny whatsoever and anything. But I laughed at the flop, dude. I did too, yeah, because uh, he he's like, I want to walk too, and he just flops over, and the mom's like trying to put Kim in the bed. Yes, dude, and then like I mentioned, like convinced that that Martin has powers and shit, he mm. has to go like visit uh, Martin at at his home. Which, by the way, I don't know how the fuck she found out where he lives. Yeah, I don't feel like she that was, was never there for dinner. Yeah. So how would she find out? Yeah, I don't know. That's a little, a little nitpick right there, brother. Not exactly mm-hmm. a flaw, but it's like okay, you go there, they're already meeting and shit. Yeah, that's valid. And then they get into this like fucking conversation where like uh, Martin's eating spaghetti, dude. <laughs> right, the way he's eating the spaghetti and he's <laughs> slurping it up and shit. Yeah, it, like uh, Yorgos Lanthimos, he knows exactly what the fuck he's doing, dude. Yeah, he's directing. Barry Kilgan is like, you need to slurp the spaghetti up. You need to be messy and shit like yeah, that. It's very, then, uns- it's very unsettling, too, because he's like, you know, I have to go. I, I only have 10 minutes. I'm going to be late for class. And he's got this giant plate of spaghetti mm-hmm. and he's just twirling it endlessly. Yeah. It's like, what the fuck? Like, OK. Yeah. And then the whole point about the spaghetti, dude, is that like he he makes it to a point and he says, He's like, you know, someone told me that I eat spaghetti the same way as my father. Mm-hmm. And then and then he even goes to to say, dude, that I got really mad about that. <laughs> and it's like I even got madder at that because I found out that everybody eats spaghetti the same way. I was madder at this fact more so than when my dad died. So then I'm just like, okay, if you're madder at that over fucking spaghetti, then why are you even going to attack Steven and his family if you were upset about spaghetti? More so than your fucking dad dying. So more so that like fucking mentally, perhaps, dude, fucking Martin is not all up there, dude. Yeah. You know, this scene is weird, man, because I know what you're saying. He's like, I was more mad about the spaghetti. So it's like, what the fuck? But is he really attacking the family directly? Because I feel like there's a lot of unexplained phenomenon in this movie. He's obviously not poisoning them like in a direct yeah. physical way, right? So there's something supernatural going on here. I still thought it was like really fantastic about this because it still leaves you as a viewer oblivious to the whole truth. Yeah. Where it keeps you on your toes and you're like, you want to see more. Mm-hmm. Isn't that what you want in a film? You want to know what happens and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, we're definitely captivated at this point. So Yes. Yes. And then he even and during this whole like spaghetti conversation, he tells Anna... He's like, yeah, ever since my dad died, Steven's been coming over. My mom flirted with him. You know, and he's then a piece I was, of, yeah, he's throwing yeah, Steven on the he's bus. Like he's like throwing wrenches in this whole like, like, like narrative. Yeah, he wanted to fuck her pretty much is like what he's saying, right? But that's yeah. not exact that's not what happened at all. Yeah. But then like Anna says, like, because at this point, right, bro? Like, right, dudes? Like, she is convinced. Like, Martin has power over this illness. Yes. So he says, Why should my family suffer? After Martin, or excuse me, Steven's fuck up. Yeah, exactly. Steven is the one that fucked up and killed your dad. Uh Uh-huh. So why should me and my kids be in this shit? And I think that was really cool, too, because it's kind of like she's kind of alluding to the fact that, you know, why don't you just fucking kill Steven? Yeah. (laughs) Right, dude? But this is like the whole thing about this movie, too, is that, like, I think, at least in my opinion, Uh that Martin is doing his best to turn the family on each other. Yeah, and then and then slowly we do end up seeing that happening as they try to persuade each other into killing this member, kill this mm. member, let me live, all this bullshit. Fucking ugh, brutal, 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 brutal. 
I feel like the scene where they interact right now is uh, just more about uh, Martin showing was it Anna. Yes. Uh, showing Anna that he has no like ill will towards her, where he's leaving the tough choice of um, picking someone in his own family to Stephen. He's basically inviting her to his home, being like, oh, you want to know more about what's going on? Um, it has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with your husband. Mm-hmm. If you need more, you can talk to him about what happened. Yeah, that's a great point to bring up, too. It's also saying that, like, Stephen's the one that killed my dad, so he's the one that needs to choose who needs to die. And that's regardless of you and your kids, even though, you know, obviously you're trying to save yourself and your kids. But, yeah, that's a great point. But the whole point is that, like, since, like, to even it out, right? Mm-hmm. He thinks that the whole point of this is also to make the entire family suffer in one. Yeah, I can see Fuck, that. that brutal as fuck, dude. Yeah. Yeah. And then with his face, that very punchable face, too. <laughs> it's like, oh, dude, like, this kid, man. Yeah, he's just very matter-of-factly again. He's just yeah. like, okay, I got to go to school. Bye. Yeah, and then let's remember too, dude, that like at this point, Anna doesn't exactly know the truth either. Mm-hmm. He just, she just knows that he, uh, Stephen had been, he had a couple drinks, is yeah. what he says. Uh-huh. He doesn't know exactly yet. So what she ends up doing, she goes to Larry, the friend, right? Yep. All right. The friend quote. Yeah, they meet at a diner and says, "Oh, I need, to, I need this information." And then Larry says, no, I, I can't give you this information. It's like, it's, it's like fucking illegal. I can't just give you shit. Uh-huh. And he's like, well, I can, I can do something. Then you can tell me. Long story short, she gives him a hand job mm. and yeah. gives him the whole fucking details. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Yep. So then at this point now, she's aware of everything now. Mm-hmm. That yes, Stephen was drunk when he performed surgery on Martin's father. Yep. He become he, he dies. Goes back home. Kids are bedridden. And like to make uh to a point, right? Is that these kids are refusing their food, right? This is the second point of the of their death, right? Yeah, yeah. Right? But then Martin, as we mentioned earlier, that he's very monotone, very robotic, emotionless. He's just eating fucking steak and he's like, Oh, I could really go for some mashed potatoes right now. <laughs> and it's like, dude, like you're eating and you're very nonchalant about this shit. <laughs> Right, so this kind of yeah. ki- like ticks off Anna, and then he's like, "This is your fault for putting us in this situation because she confronts him with the truth. Mm-hmm. Like, I I know what's going on here. Yeah, yeah. You know, this is your fucking fault. And what are you gonna do about this? And this is where he like starts like tearing shit in the kitchen, right? Oh he's yeah. Like, he's like, "Oh, I'm looking for pubes. I'm looking for <laughs> crocodile teeth. Yeah, and shit the, like that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So it's like, what would you suggest? And on cue, next fucking scene." The next morning, and I, I like this detail too, man, is that um, Martin is like basically like in their garage, right? Mm-hmm. And he's tied up and yeah. shit, yep. beaten and shit. You don't exactly have the journey of Martin going over to the pad and getting him. It's just like, okay, next morning, and then like you see like Martin already in the in the garage, and you're like, oh shit, he yeah. has him. Yeah, Stephen wakes up and it's like, I want you to come see something, and it's clear that he yeah. captured Martin and beat the shit out of him and just has him tied up in the basement. Yeah, and then it's like, he wasn't at home, so how the fuck was he able to get a hold of him? It yeah. doesn't matter. He just mm. fucking has him. Yep. So as a viewer, you're like, oh shit, like, dude, things about to get juicy. Juicy, motherfucker. <laughs> just like I say, dude. Right? 
uh, let me, uh, before we go forward, let's take another, uh, this beer's hitting me. So another <laughs> streak for the good man, yeah? Yeah, good 12.9%, dude. Hmm. Not quite a 13, yeah. but. Cheers, brothers. Cheers. They should have just had a 13. You're already close <laughs> enough, man. 13's a good number. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, one more swig for the good man, and let's get right back to the task at hand. Cheers. Mm-hmm. Fantastic brewski. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Ned, for uh, bringing this over. Yes, thank you very much. I thought you were going to say his name is Edgar. Keep on your toes, man. I know, I know we're parlaying. Yeah, so like we mentioned, uh, Stephen has tied up Martin, beats the shit out of him, basically. You don't see it, but like he has all these bruises, all these marks and shit like that. And then he fucking bites Steven, dude. He's able to get yeah. a hold of him, dude. Yeah. And then to make it more, like this motherfucker's crazy, he fucking bites himself, dude. Yeah. Right? And that scene was fucking crazy. Uh, I know people don't give a shit about like sound mixing and shit like that, but the sound when he bites into himself and then spits out his own flesh, yeah. fucking amazing. The fucking music in this is fucking amazing. Yes. Uh, the piano with the sharp pianos, my fucking heart was beating because I, I, I was expecting a lot. Mm-hmm. But it like slows down a little bit because uh, Steven ends up getting a fucking gun and he fucking shoots, mm-hmm. right? So I'm thinking like, fuck, dude. I, like, I, I know nothing is too crazy is going to happen because it's like only like an hour and like 20 minutes in. I was like, it's not going to end right here, you know? <laughs> but still like the fucking, the, the shotgun goes off and I'm just like, oh shit, dude. And dude, like the piano music in this is fucking awesome, dude. Yeah. It's... Like perfect, ex- um, perfect way to bring in like just like ominous fucking eerie piano music with mm-hmm. these, these sharp tones. Yeah, yeah. It matched the whole narrative perfectly. Good shit on Yorgos Lanthimos for bringing that shit up. It was fucking amazing. But nothing happens. He doesn't like shoot him or anything like that. Mm-mm. I, well, he does. He, he shoots him in the foot, but he doesn't kill him. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. Right? Next scene is the kids in the room, which by this point, dude, right? Like Kim and Martin have a relationship. Should they have already heard the gunshot? And then Kim could have been like, oh my God, what's going on? What's going on? They just made it seem like this was the next scene. Because they're just fucking casually conversing. Well, I mean, Martin and Steven are in the basement, so I mean, I guess I could muffle the gunshot. If I it, hear a gun, I'm I'm gonna hear it, brother. Well, yeah, I mean, it depends. This movie's not perfect, but <laughs> you know, there, yeah. there aren't many movies out there that are perfect. But yeah, back to know? this scene. This scene's pretty fucked up, right? Yeah, and then he, here's a nice little detail right here: is that Kim is smoking, right? Yeah. So they've already made it a point that um, Martin smokes. He even says he's addicted. Mm-hmm. Kim had not been smoking until she met Martin. Yeah. So now she's smoking, even though she's in a wheelchair. So you see the influence on Martin on her. Yeah. But by the way, how the fuck did she get the cigarettes, dude? How? That's a good point. I didn't Kim, think of that. You know, like she, I, I know I'm nitpicking right here. Like, did she get them from Steven because he smokes? But she's bound to a wheelchair. How did she get these cigarettes? Bro, I'm going to question everything, brother. Maybe she knew where they were hidden, right? Because uh, I'm sure he hides them around the house. I think the mom was smoking when she was watering the garden at night, right? No, oh, that's a that's a good... I don't remember that, but yeah, that's a good... If that happened, that's a good... I believe so. Mm-hmm. Yes, because like, they, they do bring up that like they got chores to do and shit. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. 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 Good point, brother. This is exactly why you're here. <laughs> you know? like <laughs> yeah. Your excellent analysis for this shit, dude. Yeah. Precisely. Uh, damn. Thank you for coming, brother. This is fucking awesome. 
Yeah, but anyway, so this is the scene when it's Bob and Kim, and they're just trading barbs, right? Yeah. She's like, hey, you know, I lost two MP3 players. When you die, can I have yours? Fuck, what the dude. fuck, man? And same with Again, Bob. with the monotone as well. Yeah. And Bob is like, well, you know, they bought me a piano that's not arriving until next month. So I'm for sure not going to die. Yes. And this makes Bob <laughs> like get out of his chair uh-huh. and drag himself to cut his hair. Yeah. And brother, from the previous episodes that we've done, all right, we mm-hmm. did Antichrist. Yeah. I can't see scissors the same way. Okay. Okay. We, we did old boy. I can't see scissors the same way because mm-hmm. the dude cuts his fucking tongue out. Mm-hmm. Right. So when Bob gets the scissors, I'm like, no, please don't fucking do something. He obviously, like you said in the antiquity, he's not going to cut his pubes. He's too young anyways <laughs> and shit like that. So then he cuts his hair, dude. And it's like, okay, cool. Yeah. This is, comes back to that fucking awkward conversation where he says you need to cut your hair. And the reason this is brought up is so he cuts his hair for his dad to have favoritism towards him so that he doesn't choose him to fucking die. Yeah. Brutal, dude. And then he cuts his hair and then he fucking, he like drags himself to tell his father, hey, dad, like I cut my hair. Yeah, and he says, I'm going to go water the plants too. I don't know how it was. But the thing is like, Steven doesn't give a fuck, bro. He doesn't react. If my kid like collapses and he's bedridden, Mm -hmm. like, and I see him dragging himself, I'm like reacting like, what the fuck are you doing, dude? Like, come on, let's get you back in your bed. Like, you can't be here. No, Steven is just like, wow, okay, let me get you. Monotone, <laughs> careless, no emotion. Yeah. yeah. To portray more that Steven's a piece of shit, more so that we think that Martin deserves his justice more. I don't know, dude, but like, it's like, you got to show more emotion towards your son, bro. Come on, dog. Yeah, I you don't know. know. I didn't any, get any that. Any opinions on this, bro? Because like, I thought it was a very good scene, though, because, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I thought it was a interesting scene because he's obviously trying to be like, hey, Dad, look, I did cut my hair. I should have done it. You're right. I should have done it a lot sooner. But, uh, yeah, the dad, he doesn't show a lot of emotion. So, yeah, I mean, it's just a very strange scene. I mean, they're illustrating the fact that we're getting to the point where everybody's getting kind of desperate. They want to they wanna figure this out, but... And save themselves, more importantly. But. Yes, brother. And then desperate is the perfect word for this because he doesn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. So in desperation, he goes to the principal <laughs> That's of so their kids, right? Up. And he tells he tells them, he asks them, who's better? Who's a better kid? Yeah, I feel like this was the most <laughs> fucked up scene in this movie for me, too, is like you have two kids. Yeah. They're obviously older, right? Yes. Bob is like probably 10, 9. Kim is 13, 14, and he fucking has to go to their school and say, well, how did this one do in school? And how did this other one do? What, yeah. Which one would you pick? Like, Fuck. dude, you're the fucking dad. How do you not know? Yeah. I mean, okay. I guess it's kind of fucked up, right? Because you're not supposed to pick favorites between kids, but this still. This is Sophie's choice, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? But even then, it's like, why do you have to ask a third party? That's fucked up. Especially someone as fucking unimportant as a principal. Yeah. In this fucking story. Maybe he's just trying to get an objective viewpoint. He's so irrelevant. But again, this brings up the desperation in him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That he's just resorting to anything at this point, dude. It's it's honestly, I thought it was fucking done great right here, dude. I I very much Mm -hmm. as fucked up as it sounds, I much enjoyed this part because it gives us. Uh, more emotion into the story it makes me more invested that 
that Steven is kind of a piece of shit. <laughs> and maybe Martin does deserve his justice, even though Mar- uh, Steven is the main character. Uh-huh. Like, ah, uh, dude, it's it's twisting me up all fucked up at this point, brother. Yeah. This whole area where the family is kind of turning on each other. Yes. I feel like it's kind of like meant to show that um, Steven's not the only one uh, kind of like deserving of this punishment, that it's also his family uh, where his son is being uh, disobedient and his daughter is kind of vain. Uh, the whole thing about asking to be at the front of the choir and thinking yeah. that she has like a greater purpose uh, more in line with uh, being famous, I guess. Mm-hmm. And the wife kind of like just putting up with what Steven wants, like in the sex scenes. Yeah. I feel like that's kind of just like, it's not only Steven that's at fault for this, mm-hmm. what's going on. It's kind of like the whole family. Yeah. That's a great Ooh. point too. And also, you know, Anna too, she also shows her coldness too when she cuddles up to Steven and she says, I know that sounds cold, but you know, we should pick one of the kids because we can have more kids. It's like, damn. Yeah. Like, what the fuck, man? Every parent that I've known have always said, you know, kill me before my kids. Yeah. So dude. this woman here is pretty fucked up. Yeah. That that is actually the very next scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When uh they're in the room together and mm-hmm. says, Hey, like I can have another child. Mm-hmm. Fuck, that is the most fucked up thing you can say as a parent, dude. Exactly. Because yeah. your your kids are number one. Yeah. Every every parent knows that. Mm-hmm. Fuck, you don't have to be a parent to know that. That is just like ethics, like basic ethics. Dude. Like, what the fuck <laughs> yeah. is this? Yeah, you know. Yeah. But again, dude, like, uh, yeah, these characters they make they make you kind of be like, fuck, dude. I, I why am I rooting for this family mm-hmm. at this point? Yeah, you know, fuck, dude. I, and I I'm all twisted up, <laughs> very much like fucked over by this fucking movie at this point. It's so good, and then. There's a whole garage scene, dude, where, like, Anna takes the kids and, like, take them to the garage where where Martin is at, right? Yeah. Like, he picks, uh, she picks up uh, Bob. Yeah. But Kim has to fucking drag crawl, her ass, dude. yep. Yeah. And then it's, it's just, like, this whole fucking, like, scene where, like, Anna starts kissing... His feet, yeah. His feet and shit like that. I know there's, like, a whole... I, I'm not sure if it's like a Bible reference stuff like that, but there's like a whole like story behind this stuff. Okay. That I am not gonna touch because of obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? If you know me well, you know why. <laughs> and but again, it, this is just one way for Anna like kissing uh, Martin's feet, being like, "Hey, like you got me basically by the balls here." Exactly. You know, exactly and then what I thought, yep. you're gonna. You can do whatever the fuck you want. Just please don't fuck up me and my kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's so fucked, man. But again, I, I'm i fucking enjoying it, man. And then this goes next to another fucking scene. Because, like, I was a little thrown off here by this, like... Uh, excuse me. Oh, shit. <laughs> Unicorn tunes, brother. Yeah. Hmm. Another fucking swig for the good men right there. I was a little thrown off by this like um like timeline here because they're going back and forth quite a bit where like Steven wakes up, he's like, Where's Kim? But they're going back where like Kim, uh, Anna and Bob are talking with 
fucking Martin to like, hey, let us let us be and shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But but Kim is fucking crawling out of the pad. She gets pretty far too, dude. <laughs> well, she first goes see Martin, right? Yeah. Like uh, to try and say, let's run off together. Yeah. Uh, let's Confesses escape. her love to him. Mm-hmm. And she says, well, make me walk because uh, we can run off together. And he doesn't do it. And she like starts throwing shit at him and trying to get him. He's like, you got to try harder. Then she decides to just crawl her way halfway across the block, right? Mm-hmm. Did you think it was fucking stupid that um, Anna was like in the car with with uh, the lights on while Steven was just like walking? It's like, just be together. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. I didn't really think a whole lot into <laughs> I that. nitpick but... on me. You know how I am, brother. Oh, well, all right. It's like, just be in the car together and shine the lights at the same place where Steven is going. Yeah, well, I guess. I mean, that's, that's a pretty good That's a pretty good perspective. <laughs> I would have just been like, it makes sense because like she's the flashlight and then he's yeah. just there to help. But Yeah, because I mean, uh, they're not Mexican, dude. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, a Mexican dad yelling at the kid, you're holding the flashlight wrong. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Can I tell a quick story, bro? <laughs> Go for it, man. All right. Every Mexican's been part of the uh, Mexican kid's been part of this. So, like, I remember my dad, like, uh, apparently I was holding the flashlight wrong for him. Mm-hmm. And then he, which was a fucking lie because, like, the flashlight's fucking huge. You can see everything. <laughs> right. And then he says, You're holding it wrong. I go, How? I'm like, How am I holding it wrong? <laughs> right. And he goes, Do you know why you're brown? I'm like, What the fuck? Like, what kind of question is it? I was like, Why? Cause you're full of shit. And, <laughs> damn, dude. Damn, dude. Yeah. But I love my dad, so he's it's all good. Yeah. Just Cheers. every every Mexican dad or every Mexican kid's been through it. Yeah, I mean it's true. I've had similar experiences. Yes. <laughs> Back to the task at hand, dude. Yes. Sorry about that. No. Didn't mean to like go off topic and shit like that. So they they bring him back right, and yep. they mend her wounds. Yes. Okay. And then it goes into like the morning part, and then fucking Anna just straight up tells. Uh, Steven, yeah, I released, I released Martin, mm-hmm. and then he basically like bitch slaps her yeah, and like, shit like the that. Fuck? Yeah, why'd you do that? Yeah, because it's like, why the fuck would you do that, man? Because like the the person that the fate is in your hands, you let him go. Anything could happen at this point. Mm-hmm. Fucking crazy. I, I like that part. It was like, um, kind of in a way that I would dislike Anna a little more. Okay. Because it's like, you're fucking stupid now. I get you're like in desperation, but like, why the fuck would you do this, man? Well, I feel like she describes it perfectly. She says, it doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter if you still have him captive and you're going to beat the shit out of him. He doesn't give a fuck. He's he's clearly hasn't stopped. So keeping him has no bearing on this. It's all on you at this point. You have to decide yeah. what you're going to do. So don't even worry about him. He even says at some point, Martin says, like, you can kill me, but, like, what is that going to do, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Fuck, dude. Yeah, it's crazy. And then, like, on cue, man, goes to a scene where Bob and Kim are together, and then Bob starts bleeding from his eyes. Yep. So we're now we're nearing some fucking crazy ass. Yes, this is the third and final part before death. He starts Mm -hmm. bleeding from his eyes. Uh Poor Bob, dude. He's, like... He's a little kid. He didn't deserve this, man. Yeah. He's going through it the worst. Yeah. You know? And then, but like, um, Martin did say like, uh, you know, the, the boy's going to die soon. So mm-hmm. kind of in a way like, oh, we better gear up for it. You know? But but again, just like the visual of, of Bob bleeding from his eyes mm-hmm. is fucked up. 
So then when Kim sees this, calls for her, the dad, and Steven tells Anna, but Anna shows no fucking emotion, dude. Again, like the consistency with this like monotone and fucking robotic emotionless bullshit uh-huh. is consistent as fuck. Yeah, yeah. They it's almost like they they the kids are an afterthought mm-hmm. at this yeah. point. Mm-hmm. You know? And then zero fucking ur- urgency. Right? So because of this, dude. And this is like the part where like shit is like real, you know? Fucking like basically Russian roulette right here. Yeah. You know? Steven gets all the family, ties them up. Yeah, well, even Anna, she yeah. tries to save herself at the end. She's like, I'm going to wear that black dress you like. Yeah. So it's just like cementing that for the fact that she's also a piece of shit too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she'd rather save herself than the kids. Yeah. But yeah, they're all taped up. They're hooded. And um, Steven gets a rifle, dude, and then starts spinning around and around uh-huh. and shoots like very close to all of them. Yep. But misses. Second yeah. time misses. Third time. I think the third time is a little cliche. You know, because everybody like gears up for third for three. Mm, okay. Would you guys have any insight in that? Because uh, because of it's like third, and I've seen it so many fucking times in anything, including shows. I almost kind of knew that the third one was gonna hit somebody. Hmm. So. I kind of expected it to take more tries, to be honest. <laughs> oh yeah. Sure. How yeah, far the families separated and him just spinning. Uh, blindfolded just yeah. to me it didn't make sense but i guess it only takes one to hit so yeah. yeah for me i thought he was gonna like blindfold him well he blindfolds everybody and then himself and then he spins in a circle i thought what he was gonna do was you know spin the circle and then take off his mask and see which one he landed on and that was gonna be the one he just shoots in the head mm-hmm. but yeah the way he does it makes more sense because i mean if you're blindfolded and disoriented and spinning around you're not gonna hit shit yeah if you're just trying to shoot so that i thought that was interesting that was a very interesting take that i didn't expect yeah bro and then never does it ever come to a point where he feels like he should kill himself yeah you know i thought that too. everybody everybody in his family is involved in this shit because of him Uh uh-huh it's not bob's fault it's not kim's fault yeah and it's kind of a piece of shit, but like it's fucking Steven's <laughs> yeah, fault. Yeah, he's the bro. reason why. And you're right too, because I kind of half expected, or not half expected, but like a little part of me was like, I feel like he was just gonna shoot himself in the head, mm-hmm. and that was gonna be like the the twist ending. But mm-hmm. no, yeah, no. And then on the third attempt, fucking unfortunately, he shoots Bob. Fucking Bob, the one that honestly didn't deserve it. He was the youngest yeah. one. He was the least piece of shit out of them all. Yeah, he's, he's a little kid. Mm-hmm. He still had his whole life ahead of him. Yeah. And poor Bob, man, of all people, gets it. Very fucking sad. Yeah. I was just like, damn, dog, Bob. Ah, poor Bob. Mm-hmm. You know, and then it goes into the end scene, which is the diner scene where, um, <laughs> where they're all like, this is the same diner yep. mm-hmm. where Martin and Steven... Uh, met in the beginning of the film uh-huh. and it seems like everything is like perfectly fine now because like you they see martin go uh walk past them mm-hmm. and fuck dude that was cold as fuck because he can look at them and be like i'm the reason you don't have a fourth person right there mm-hmm. and they just get up and fucking leave yeah including kim which makes it clear that she is fully recovered yeah, but she was also like given mice, mm-hmm. so she was still clearly infatuated with him, mm-hmm. despite the fact that he's the reason that her. But he was also dead. very true to his word. Yeah, because he's like, 
one person has to die or all of you. Mm. So once fucking Bob dies, diner scene, she gets up and starts walking, no problem. Yeah. He was very true to his word, as fucked up as it was. Mm-hmm. End credits roll, the killing of a sacred deer. And I was just like, fuck, dog. <laughs> like, this movie yeah. fucking had me like in a roller coaster of emotions. It is a slow burn, I will say that. Yeah. Yep. A lot of really like awkward conversations and shit like that mm-hmm. may not be for everybody, but overall, I fucking enjoyed this, man. So, any any thoughts before we go into some of the later work from these guys? Yeah, this was this whole movie was just like the perfect rep- representation of an eye for an eye, not to make it religious, but yeah, for everybody's sake. But if you take for me, uh, Martin's choice was I take from you. So he gave him the choice of anybody in his family. I don't think the option was there for uh, him to take himself because then that'll be four deaths. But he gave him the choice, pick one, and we're even. Yeah. Yeah. Can I can I just say something, dude? Go for it, man. Let's say I had a family of four. Mm-hmm. If this was me, dude, we're all going down together, dude. <laughs> I can't live with this shit, dude. I could not. You're gonna. Uh... I, yeah, I could not go life another day. Say so you're the father who gets everybody in the car and is, runs a car with monoxide. And everything. The mist. <laughs> you ever seen the mist, dude? Yeah. Except okay. with myself at the end too. Oh God. Yeah. Oh, Fuck. Oh. It, it's just my my fucking okay. direction of it man All right. but yeah man that was the killing of a sacred deer fucking fantastic movie in my mm-hmm. opinion yeah i hope you all go out of your way to check it out and now we're gonna get into some of the later work from these people okay. first person i'm gonna get into the director man yorgos lantimos this motherfucker dude i was a big fan of him after i saw the first movie I ever watched and that fucking movie is dog tooth have you guys seen this movie no, but I've heard you talk about it. So. Yes, all right. I know so, it's in my queue. Okay, so Dogtooth, if you guys have been listening since day one, let's go way back, brother. Episode number three in Insandies or Insandies. Mm. Yep. All right. Insandies yep. was nominated for the best uh, international film that year. So was Dogtooth. All right. So I did mention that I had seen four of the five films. Uh, in in that category, Dogtooth was one of them. Fucking, I thought it was crazy as fuck. It was like it was so weird. Mm. Perhaps a movie that we can do in the future. Yeah, because I know we want to give so many directors their own fucking spotlight as an episode. Uh huh. But I saw this movie, man, and I said I gotta watch more. And Dogtooth is one of those movies. So go out of your way and check out Dogtooth. It used to be on Netflix. I don't know where it is now. Okay, the next film, and I know Danny's got a lot to say about this, and that movie is The Lobster. Mm. Yeah, I tried watching this movie <laughs> a few months ago, too, and I just couldn't get into it. But now that I've seen Killing of a Sacred Deer, I think I can get a second uh, Give opinion. it a second viewing, brother. Yeah. I, the, the synopsis of this film is very unique. Yes. It's about a man in this like weird hotel he needs to find a lover, and if he does not in a certain amount of time, he turns into an animal of his choice. His yep. choice is a lobster. Yep. Fucking weird. Colin Farrell is in it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. He's in this as well. Yorgos Lactimos picks his, the, a lot of the same um, actors and actresses to be in his films. Uh-huh. Um, Like Emma Stone is in a lot of his films ooh, ooh. for the favorite and for nice. an upcoming film. Nice. So Colin Farrell is in The Lobster. He's also in The Killing of a Sacred Deer. 
So please go out, go out of your way and check out Dogtooth and The Lobster. Films that I would recommend. Uh, next person, I'm going to go with Colin Farrell. Okay. Pretty good uh, actor. Uh, I'm pretty sure uh, if you are movie buffs out there, if you are a fan of Colin Farrell, you would check out In Bruges. Mm. Have you seen In Bruges? I've seen parts of it. I don't think I've seen it all the way, like, front to back. But Good movie, dude. Mm-hmm. Great writing. It's also, like, uh, a bit of comedic. It's got its comedic yeah. parts mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. Very good fucking movie. Martin McDonough's a fucking great director. Uh, check out that one. And the last one I'm going to bring up for Colin Farrell is The Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus. Mm, Has I need to watch seen that, one. that one. No, but I need to see it. So here's a little backstory on that. Heath Ledger died... Yes. In the middle of this fucking film, mm-hmm. right? This is right after he did The Joker in The Dark Knight. Yeah. All right, he died in the middle of this. So they needed uh, three... They chose to have three people... Excuse me. Fuck. This beer, bro. Tripping <laughs> up. They chose three actors... Okay. ...to kind of fill in his role. Mm-hmm. All right, the first one was Johnny Depp. Second one was Jude Law. And third one is Colin Farrell. Because it's like uh, you go into this like fucking portal and then like a different world goes in. It's like a sideshow on wheels and shit like that. Vern uh-huh. Troyer's in the movie too. Okay. So you're a fan of Shasta McNasty and fucking Austin Powers. Okay. You'll like that. But Colin Farrell's in the movie. And the cool thing about this too is that the actors I just mentioned, Colin Farrell, Jude Law, and Johnny Depp, they took zero money out of this. Their whole paycheck, they gave it to Heath Ledger's daughter. Yes. So fucking awesome. That, yeah. uh, go out of your way. Check out The Imagineer and Dr. Parnas. Also, for Solid Colin movie. Farrell, I did like the movie Phone Booth. I know. Uh, I have not seen it. Really? I have not. Oh, if you like Colin Farrell, you got to watch Phone Booth. That's a pretty good one. It's a kind of a blockbuster movie, so I'm sure a lot of people have seen it. But it's a mm-hmm. good one. All right. And the last one, Ring Golden, Nicole Kidman. All right. First movie I'm going to bring up. Antichrist was made by Lars von Trier. One of his like movies that is not too fucked up <laughs> is Dogville. Mm, I've Very seen that. interesting movie. It's yeah. like kind of like a set. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like uh, her escaping in the mountains of Colorado, but it's like it's all one set, and you can even see it from an aero- aerial view. Fucking great. Very like unorthodox. Just a movie that people should go out of their way to check out, man. Dogville. Have you yeah. seen this one, bro? I have, yes, but uh, I don't remember a whole lot about it. It's like 2003, right? Yeah. Around uh, there, yeah. Early early 2000s, yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the last one I'm going to bring up, I already mentioned it when uh, we did the episode for Abre los Ojos because the same director did this movie, and that is The Others. Mm, yes. It is a horror film with one of the best fucking twist, plot twist I've ever seen in a horror film. Please go out of your way and check out The Others. That is a fantastic film. So do yourself a favor and check it out. You have my word. Gentlemen? All right. Uh, I guess that's it, man. We yeah, should... let's, let's give it our overall ranking, man. I think it's yeah. about that time. Yeah, I'm going to wrap it up here. Yeah, so what do you guys got, man? Who wants to go first? Let's have our guest go first. Go for it, brother. All right. I've only seen this movie twice, but both times I say it kept me pretty captivated. Um watching it a few years apart. I'm going to go with a 9 out of 10. Oh, dang, dude. That is Straight a up. Range. So for all of you guys that 
are new to this podcast, we do a ranking system. The beer is five stars. The mm-hmm. movie is 10. Yep. Eight and above is elite range. Hence the number eight on my name, Dominator. So eight <laughs> is an A, seven is a B, six is a C, so on and so we get the point. Yeah. So the good brother gave this a fucking nine out of 10. That is an A plus. Coming in hot. Yep. Right. Very, right. I, I love it, brother. All right. Fucking great. All right, you want to go first, or you want to go next? I mean, or me? Yes, let me go next. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. So overall, I love the direction. Giorgos Lanthimos is a fantastic director. I think people need to go out of their way and check out more of his shit. He is so good. Big fan of him. I thought the acting was great. I thought Barry Keoghan was fucking fantastic in this man. I think acting wise, he was the best one in this. Very big fan. I I see a lot of like big things from him in the future, man. I haven't seen any of his other stuff, but I got to check it out. It was shot very well. I didn't mind the pacing of it, although like um, some of them were a little like slow motion and shit like that. But I thought it like it was very well for like the setting and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, the plot was very interesting, kept me on my on my toes the whole time. I, I very much enjoyed like the sharp piano noises and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was very good. Uh, would I say it was rewatchable? I've seen it maybe three times. Okay. And the other time was for the sake of this podcast so I can get extra notes and shit like that. But for me, with the runtime of a little less than two hours, that was fucking fantastic, man. Elite range, fucking eight out of ten for me, Ooh. man. This is a great fucking movie, man. Nice. Big fucking fan of this movie. Nice. Uh, for me... Underrated as fuck. For me on this one, I didn't initially enjoy it. Like I said, I stopped maybe like a quarter of the way through. But on my second watching for this podcast specifically, you know, I forced myself and I got past it and I was captivated. I did really end up enjoying this movie. I feel like with more watchings, it'll grow on me than my initial full watch. So I'm going to go ahead and give this one a 7.5. Yeah. Just a little bit under dominant range for me. Yeah. But it's good. The cinematography is, is very unique, very clean. The acting, it's when you first watch it, you're kind of like taken aback at how unsettling it is. Mm-hmm. But as you stick with it and watch it, you realize that it makes sense. Yeah, you you get why they're very like monotone. Yeah, and yeah, very very like forced, that. very monotone. Exactly. So this movie is very well thought out. It's laid out in an interesting way. Definitely different than your normal Hollywood dribble. So seven point five for me, and that's it. Fuck yes. Much appreciated, man. Yeah. And that's going to wrap it up, everybody. Thank you so much for taking out of the, taking time out of your busy day to check out this episode. Uh, special thank you to the good brother, Ned, for joining us. He thank is you. a good brother, man. Uh, it was an honor to have you as our first guest on Hell here yeah. in a movie with the Fuck We Said yeah. Boys. You're automatically inside the We Said Boys Hall of Fame. You are <laughs> our honorary third member. Yeah. So thank you so much, brother. So remember, everybody, to be kind to one another. Much love to all of you. And peace. Thank you for the invitation, man. Always appreciate it. Happy to be here. Oh, one more thing. I fucked up. Is that our next episode (laughs) is a fucked up movie, man. I'm almost to the point, dude, where I was so uncomfortable where I'm having second thoughts about doing it, brother. Oh, Jesus. But we got to do it, right? Mm, Okay. Sure, why not? Maybe we can edit this part out, but we'll never know. Yeah. I guess you just got to stay tuned. <laughs> but again, 
Remember to be kind to one another. Much love to all of you and peace. Mwah. See you later. Thank you again for joining us to the very end. Please join us next week for our season finale of season two. As always, we will be ending the season with a fucked up film. And that film is... Crash. A film directed by David Cronenberg. Please don't confuse this movie with Paul Haggis' film. So at your own risk, watch the movie and then join us for the discussion portion of the show. Love to all, and bottoms up. <laughs>